Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. But those are just habits of thought. Those are just stories that can be shifted. And the same would apply to the pelvic floor. You have to repeatedly shift that self-talk, shift those habits of thought in order to come to a place of, I can accept and respect my body where it's at right now, or I can release my pelvic floor right now and just continuously repetitively do that. How long it will take is going to depend on a lot of different factors. Hello, hello, and welcome to our second episode in season four of my podcast. This is episode number 71, I believe, and I'm really, really happy to have my friend Beth, who you just heard from. I I put a little teaser of what she has to share in this. We have such a great conversation. It's just honestly friend to friend. She's one of my dear friends, and we both love talking about (laughs) our journeys. Both of us have gone from more science-minded to very open-minded, and we use it in our, our work, but also in our personal lives. And this interview is really just a just a a story time and a sharing time of Beth's journey from being really obsessed with body and food to no longer even worrying about it and you're going to hear all about that Uh, this is really a great episode you might honestly want to listen to this one twice we talk about how the most important thing when it comes to our health is not necessarily how we move our body or what diets we eat or anything like that. It's actually what's going on between your ears. So what's going on in your head. We talk about subconscious reprogramming and why that might seem like kind of a scary, big, like crazy thing and like, oh my gosh, what's subconscious reprogramming? But it's actually not that scary at all. We talk about habits of thought and how they create, they help create these reflexive actions and behaviors and how to ultimately change these thought habits that then can change the way we live our lives. We also talk about the power of neutralizing your fears and identifying and then gently rewriting old stories. And I'm gonna tell you that there's an exercise that I am offering people right now in the show notes. So if you will check that out, if you're interested at all in this conversation, then you might really be interested in Transcend, which is my signature program, this mind-body program for pelvic health, but we really go beyond exercise and lifestyle and really delve into the power of the mind. And so there's going to be information in the show notes about Transcend and also an exercise that I have that will help you rewrite some of your own old stories. Please check the show notes and without further ado, I'm going to let you dive into this conversation with Beth and myself about going from science-minded to open-minded and how it's helped us both so much. And again, throughout, you're going to hear this interweaving of our stories, especially Beth's story, but also how you can apply it to your own pelvic health. So I really think you're going to like this one. And let me know. Let me know. Tell me on social media how this impacted you. Okay, can't wait to hear from you and let's go to the show. 
Hello, Beth. It is so good to have you on my podcast. I'm thrilled you're here talking about how you went from being a science-minded to open-minded. So please, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off by sharing your story about how you even kind of came into this world of mind-body medicine and wellness. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here. I love your podcast and I love, you know, the, the fact that you're actually even bringing me on to talk about this today because it's so, oh, it's such a passion of mine. I, I would consider myself definitely a self-development junkie. I love this work and I am so excited to share my story. So, <clears throat> I mean, just to kind of connect with your viewers, um, you know, I am a registered dietitian. I was trained in, you know, conventional way. I went to school, you know, got my degree, went to an internship, started in the world of nutrition and dietetics, helping and serving clients and teaching them what to eat, uh, to live their healthiest life, et cetera, and so forth. And um, then, you know, as time went on, my health started deteriorating despite all of this like head knowledge that I had, right? The hows. Um, the how to's, the what's, you know, the very, um, the very clinical perspective on what it means to keep a body healthy. And despite all of this knowledge and this know how that I thought I had, I just started struggling with my health. And I started really resisting health on multiple levels. At the time, I had no idea that it all was happening in between my ears, I had very little to do with what I was actually nourishing my body with or how I was taking care of my body. It was, it was actually more of a, um, like you had said, um, not just about science, it was about something more. And for the longest time, I didn't know what that something more was until I started to be in the self-development junkie that I am started reading more books and, and spending more time in this, in this, um, space of mind body connection. What were some of the symptoms that you started experiencing? Like what, what were, what was, that's probably a good, good thing to ask. So, um, I think it was probably about five or six years into being a dietitian. I was in my mid twenties. I started noticing my body was starting to put on a lot of, um, extra weight kind of involuntarily. Not that that was necessarily wrong, but I just noted my, my body was shifting and changing, um, despite like doing the quote unquote things right. So, um, I always tell, I tell my clients this now because it's part of my story, but I became a dietitian initially to control my body. I mean, I will be a hundred percent transparent. I thought that I needed to live in a certain size body in order to be loved, accepted, worthy of success, worthy of love, et cetera, and so forth. I mean, that's really what was going on. I can see that 2020 now from the perspective I sit in, but at the time I thought, oh, if I keep a smaller body, then I will have all these things in life. So I literally declared my major in dietetics. Um, so I could know how to do that for the rest of my life. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, it is in hindsight, but it was really a strong point in my story. So I'm going to honor that and recognize it for what it's worth. But here's the deal. Having all that knowledge, picking up everything about five years into practicing nutrition and dietetics with clients, I noticed that my body started resisting um, all the tools that I gave it. So in hindsight, I had, um, I guess the more colloquial term is adrenal fatigue. It's actually something called HPA access dysfunction. That's more of the clinical version. Um, but a lot of people know it as adrenal fatigue. I was starting, my, my hair was thinning, my body was putting on um, extra pounds. My thyroid um, was, was 
kind of starting to get out of that functional range of normal. Um, I felt tired all the time. I was exercising a lot, right? I was going to the gym. I was teaching, uh, classes at the gym. I was, I was, you know, had my fitness pal, I was counting calories and I was doing everything. And I put it in air quotes, right? Because it wasn't necessarily the whole picture, but my body was not responding. In fact, it was, it was telling me that I wasn't trusting my inner wisdom. I was going against the grain. I was just following this, this science that I had been taught and not actually pulling in other aspects of my wellness, other aspects of my inner wisdom to help me along my journey and really support whole body health and wellness. Does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. And can we ask, were you super, super preoccupied as well with losing that weight, with getting your thyroid back on track, with getting more energy? Were you like super, because obviously you were doing all the things that air quote the right way, but you know, Mm -hmm. maybe calories, more work, more harder workouts, all of that kind of thing. But also was it consuming your mind at all the times? Oh, that was it. That was, I mean, yeah. that's where we're getting into this science minded yeah. to open-minded yeah. I love it. and transformation. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Brian. So yeah, I was definitely um, resisting. I was looking up every diet. I was doing weird stuff. I did HCG, which is terrible for you. Um, I was, I took a special certification on how to like eat right for your blood type. I mean, I was doing everything under the sun, honestly, almost against like what my, my dietetic degree taught me to do. You know, I was, I was desperate and I was obsessed. I was Mm -hmm. desperate and I was obsessed with doing like figuring out this perfect diet, this perfect exercise routine, you know, cause that's what everyone says, just cut calories and exercise more. And that's the formula for health and wellness. And also this message perpetuated through our subconscious culturally. And also for me specifically is that a thinner body is a healthier body, you know, and that created an additional obsession, um, an idea that there, there was this ideal body shape for me to fit into again, to be quote unquote healthy. And also really at the root of it, loved and worthy of receiving things in my life. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was an obsession really on many levels. I was, my brain and my headspace was constantly thinking about this. It took up a lot of energy. Um, and I thought that I was, you know, this energy was being redirected to helping my clients. Like I always found reasons to get online and do research, not for just myself, but for my degree for my work within the nutrition world. And so I was almost a little self delusional, like, Oh, I'm not obsessed. I'm just doing my work. I'm just doing my job. Right. So it was a little bit of self self deception wrapped into this obsessive um, thought behavior that was more or less consuming me on a, on a, in a way that um, I didn't really recognize until I, I hit rock bottom. Okay. Um, I want to push pause for just a moment here um, to, to kind of tie in the pelvic floor a little bit. So remember the rock bottom, I want to get right back to that. But as you know, Beth, most people listening to my podcast um, are here because a lot of listeners have pelvic floor issues like prolapse. And one thing that I've been really identifying so much with my clients and also with myself is this issue of preoccupation with our condition. And when you become preoccupied with the condition, with any condition, as you're describing here with, you know, weight and energy and thyroid and hormones and et cetera, 
you become preoccupied and you, you think you're doing all the right things and you obsessively research and all of this. And for prolapse, we could liken it to checking all day long, checking over and over and over to see if it's hanging a little, if, you know, if things are lower, if things are feeling different or thinking, well, I better do some more kegels to keep everything held in and all of that. But in fact, all of that just makes it, it worse. It really does. And so let's talk about that kind of rock bottom. Cause I, in my mind, I'm really seeing the connection between what you went through and, and pelvic health issues. So what happened when you reached that rock bottom and then, and then what did you do to get out of it? Oh yeah, no. And this reminds me of something I tell my clients a lot is how you do food is how you do life. Everything oh, yeah. in our life is a mirror of something else going on. So sometimes like for, for me, it was like what I was doing with food was actually a mirror to how I was associating to other people and relationships to my work and my career, it was affecting all areas, right? So when we see parallels in our life, it's not, it's not usually just the thing we're obsessed with and focused on, it actually shows up in other areas. So this is a really good connection, Brianne, I think with the work that you're doing with women and pelvic health, it's like when we focus and we're so driven, we kind of butt up against that resistance with our body that shows up. that resistance actually shows up, um, in other areas of our life, doesn't it? It's not just about the pelvic floor. It's not just about the food. It's about, like you said, what's going on in between the ears. The self-talk is what I, I believe is probably the most crucial crux for us to look at in, in order to flip our health paradigm or flip our health story around. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 And so you would ask, um, what was rock bottom? Well, rock bottom was just me stepping on the scale and just seeing this number go up and up and up and feeling like a complete failure. Like everything I tried restriction, eating these weird foods, trying, you know, just doing all this wacky stuff. I just recognize I'm like, this is more harmful than it is helpful for my body. And I feel like I feel terrible. I, you know, the energy was rock bottom. I had depression and symptoms of depression and anxiety. Um, I just didn't feel like myself. It's like my, I call it emotional guideposts. You know, when we're experiencing negative emotions, if we choose, it's always a choice. If we choose to, we can look at those negative emotions as guideposts for us to get back into a place of feeling better. Um, and I think I just hit a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep going this direction. Do you see that with your, the women that you work with Brianne, where it's just, there's a, they hit this, is there a pelvic health rock bottom that you see with your clients too? Well, for some clients, it's a really fast, like a sudden, oh my gosh, I just realized that I have this thing now and I didn't even know it was a thing, but a lot of people have been, you know, sort of noticing it and then it niggles at them and then they start learning more about it and then it starts freaking them out and they start talking with more people and getting more, you know, advice from different sources and they start getting scared because Dr. Google has freaked them out. And so it's more of a slow kind of decline. And, you know, I feel like, Luckily, a lot of people who come to me and, and join my lift program, for example, we pretty much go right in with learning to calm down <laughs> and relax the muscles and, and do some deep breathing and stuff like that. So we really kind of tackle it from the get go, but that's what I see with, with my clients. Yeah. Well, that's par in parallel too, to this. It, it's all about taking inventory of what's going on with your thoughts and your emotions and starting and, and being empowered or stepping into this, this um, concept that, oh, I have power 
mm-hmm. over my thoughts. And I don't even want to say power over the thoughts because I think that almost it, it takes away from what's really happening. But we we don't have control over anything, do we, Brianne? I mean, if you really get down to it, the literally the only thing that you and I and everyone else on this planet who's a human has control over is changing our thoughts. We have don't we don't have control over the weather, we don't have control over each other, we don't have control over, you know, our environment all the time. Like there is zero control if we really get real with it. <laughs> and for me, I don't know if it's the same for for your clients um as well with the pelvic health, it's like we're always in a state of trying to control trying to control our external environment, trying to control our food, trying to control our exercise. It's all this control mentality that kind of like pulls us down, but really at the root of it, the only thing we truly have control over is our thoughts. I can see a thought pop into my brain and I can decide to accept that as my truth, or I can decide to shift to something different that serves me in a better way. Well, I know your story. So, (laughs) but I'm going to ask you, were you able to do this and make this switch that you're describing now in a day, or did it take some time for you to figure out how to do this and how to choose, how to choose different thoughts? Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's a journey. I mean, here's the thing, like we never get it done. I've told clients this before. I'm like, you never get it done. This is not, there's not an end destination. And in my work, you know, diet culture makes it feel like when you lose the weight, when you have whatever perfect health is and whatever, you know, um, program that you're in or following, like there's always this end destination that you're going to have X, Y, and Z when you become, when, you know, when, when something changes with your body as an example. And I think if we're going to get real about the like health and wellness and, and really living this human journey to its fullest, we are always evolving because when you get to point B, guess what? There's going to be a point C and then there's going to be a point D. Like there's always something more for us as evolving and expanding humans. Like that's our, in my opinion, that's our purpose on this planet is to grow and continue expanding until the day that we transition, you know? Um, And even then I would argue that it's not the end, you know, like we're continuing to grow and evolve um, on that soul level too. So Uh, you know, we're getting a little into the esoteric realm with that conversation. But the idea here is that we never get it done. So I would say that for my journey, and anybody on this journey, like, there's not an end destination. And I thought that my end destination was losing the weight and having this perfect body. It's not. And so I would to answer your question, Brianne, I think I'm still on the journey. Like I would be lying if I said I'm not still working on my own stuff. Like I think I've got my food relationship and my relationship with my body pretty sorted, but there are still days where I work on that, you know, and it's, it's an ongoing thing where again, it's mirrored in other areas of my life that I continue to do this work on the thoughts in my head and shifting them to those thoughts that serve me better than the thoughts that kind of come up automatically just because of conditioning and the way I was indoctrinated in my early life about what things should look like or what things should be like for me. Um, am I making sense? I feel like I'm talking at kind of a, a, a general level, but you know, here's the deal, like with my journey, um, I mean, within, so I was introduced to something called intuitive eating, um, around the time that I'd hit my diet rock bottom. And that for me just opened a crack for me to start really diving into these thought processes, because I realized that my problem with food didn't have to do with food 
right? Mm -hmm. It didn't have to do with exercise. I knew the foods that were nourishing to my body. I knew the foods that were less nourishing. You know, I don't like the good food, bad food paradigm, but I knew foods that were, you know, helped me more than others. It wasn't a knowledge deficit. It was what was going on between the ears. It was what, what, what I was thinking about food because you had mentioned, you know, with pelvic health floor issues too. It's like when we obsess about and worry about our health, right? Um, one of my favorite quotes is worrying is like praying for what you don't want. Yeah. You know, and, and worrying doesn't take away, this is another quote, um, worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Oh yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Takes away today's peace. It absolutely does. It's also uh, worries like a rocking chair. You keep doing it and doing it, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Look at us just throwing all these quotes (laughs) out there. Um, But the reality is, is that worry also from a physical level, it can um, induce certain hormone shifts and changes in the body, stress hormone shifts and changes that work against the healing process, you know, and I, I don't think we need to go into the science of that unless you want to brand, but there's shifts in our hormones when we worry perpetually or chronically, or we're always in fear that our, our hormones are actually shifted in our physical body, which ha- which doesn't create that space for healing to happen, whatever healing needs to look like for the individual. Well, and also it's absolutely right. <clears throat> Especially from like a weight loss perspective, we want our hormones to be balanced and from a immune support perspective and just a healthy aging perspective, but from a pelvic health perspective, which I'm going to keep bringing it back there too, is worry and fear and stress and anxiety. These, these things that keep us stuck, this preoccupation and this worry when the first place that our body responds to stress and fear and anxiety is our pelvic floor. It's one of the first places that reflexively contracts and we don't even know, like we're not aware. This is very unconscious, but it's a survival mechanism is our pelvic floor activates and it, you know, protecting our root part of our body, it activates. And so that is not going to help anything when our muscles are constantly tense and tight that doesn't help bladder issues. It doesn't help prolapse. It certainly doesn't help pelvic pain. So yeah, this, this is really important. And, and we think about the way to combat worry then if we're wanting to get to the root cause of this is to like, you keep saying, look between the ears, we need to address it from the, the top of the chain here, which is the brain. And I was wondering Beth, because I know that you do a lot with subconscious reprogramming. Are you comfortable with talking a little bit about what that even means? Because it can sound kind of scary to some people. <laughs> and and how well, do you do- I, Yeah, no, for sure. And I will, I will add, like I didn't, so I, my journey 10 years ago is kind of when I, I figured out intuitive eating was kind of like my new path and, and relating to food and body. And it hasn't been until recently that I've been introduced more recently in the past, maybe three or four years introduced to subconscious reprogramming. And I will have to admit to you, Brianne, Um, it's the terminology scared me too, but if I look at what it actually is, it was something that I've been doing slowly and incrementally since, you know, that shift that I had 10 years ago with, with my food and body story. Um, and now I can take it to a new level because I, I have brought in different tools, um, into my own practice, including hypnosis, um, including tapping EFT and just shifting self-talk, like literally putting a stop it stamp um, image in my brain whenever I'm having thoughts that don't serve me. So there's different ways to look at this, but simply put subconscious reprogramming is basically looking at, you know, the, the automatic 
systems of thought that we have um, and that are typically created from habitual sources stemming early on in our life. So we have this subconscious part of our brain. It's a reptilian brain. If you look at the brainstem, I mean, we don't have pictures on a podcast, but it's like the back of the head, lower part of the head. And it's where um, this area of the brain doesn't have emotion. It's not the amygdala where the emotion is kept. It's not the cerebral cortex where our thoughts and our logical brain happens. It's this area of the brain that protects us based on what's worked for us and what hasn't worked for us in our lifetime. So it takes inventory without any emotion attached to it. And it just says, oh, this is, this is going to serve this human. <laughs> so we're going to perpetuate it and we're going to make it a habit of thought or a habit of doing, right? Like, so a great example of subconscious um, training that I think most people can relate to is just the, the learning of driving a car or riding a bike if you don't drive. It's like the first time you stepped into the driver's seat, you didn't know what the heck you were doing. You had to think about everything. Like your logical brain was like, oh my gosh, okay, I, I do this, I pull this lever and then I push this brake. And you know, like there's this whole system that comes up. Um, but after a period of time, you just, you can get in the car. Most adults can get in the car. They can be on the phone, tending to their children behind them, you know, watching, they're doing it all subconsciously. It's just like, it happens on autopilot. Does that make sense, Brianne? Yeah. And so that's it. So this is really interesting to me because like you and I, on a personal level, we've talked, we talk about this kind of stuff a lot <laughs> and we've done a lot of trainings together and, and done a lot of this work together, but I guess I hadn't put something together until you're talking about this just now that the brainstem area that holds this that's also the part that causes reflexive actions, just like I was talking about with the pelvic floor. So the reflex, yes. you know, that's part of the reflex arc is, is in this area. So it's interesting to me thinking about when you're trying to change something, maybe, so you, you tell me if I'm over, if I'm stepping outside of our boundaries here or getting it wrong, but when we're trying to change something, we've got to bring in the thinking brain first, right? Yes. For example, if we want to relax our pelvic floor, it's, it's a reflexive action for it to be tight, tight and tensed in relation to stress and fear. And so we might have to intentionally choose to release the pelvic floor, to do a pelvic drop, to let go of those muscles. But then over time, that kind of interrupts the reflexive arc in the subconscious. And then over time, it will become an easier choice to make and then an easier choice. And then pretty soon, it's no longer a reflexive action that we're dealing with all day long because we've chosen enough times using our thinking brain to interrupt that pattern and create new patterns. Am I getting this right or wrong? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the way people think they think of habits as like, oh, I drink my coffee first thing in the morning. That's a habit. Or I, you know, I drive to work every day subconsciously, just get from point A to point B on the road, because that's just what I do. You don't even like remember what happened yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. on the road. But the idea here is, and you are on the right track, Brianne, as I understand it, and my interpretation of it, it's, it's not only the behaviors that become habitual, but it's also the habits of thought. Yeah. And we do have to use our logic. So our logical brain is responsible for being becoming aware of it. And, and I like to ask the question to myself of, as, as I observe thoughts come into my awareness, my conscious awareness from the subconscious to say, gosh, how has this served me? Because every habit that we've created has been there as a form of protection, according to the subconscious brain. Remember, it does not attach any kind of emotion. Like it doesn't 
think that this habit's good or that habit's bad. There is no good bad in the subconscious brain. It just is a protection mechanism. So when we can see our thoughts as habits, as an example, or see that, you know, that pelvic floor health as a uh, reflex that you mentioned as a kind of a habit, you know, created by the subconscious brain as some sort of, it was at some point protective and on some level served you or served the person listening to this who, who relates served you on some level. It takes some of the guilt and shame out of it. Doesn't it? Like I am not my habits. I am, I am not my thoughts. That's not, you know, like the, the basis of who I am is not those things. And I do have the power to shift those, but it starts with, like you said, the cerebral brain takes an inventory and says, Oh, how did this habit of thought or this habit of flexing my pelvic floor? I don't know if I'm getting that right, Bria, <laughs> but you know, doing this action, this reflexive action, how did that serve me on some level at some point? Cause it likely did. And, and that takes some critical thinking, you know, some level like why would have thought about hating my body or why would have thought about, you know, sugar being bad for me? Like, why would that serve me? But on some level it did. And it may not serve us now, however. So it's a, it's a process of saying, Oh, I see it, that awareness piece. And then saying, you know, I'm going to dismiss this, this, this isn't, this is not, uh, this is not me. This habit is a habit or it's a habit. It's a thought. It's not who I am. I'm going to dismiss it. I'm going to move my attention to what does serve me. And you have to actively do that. Like you had mentioned on repeat Mm -hmm. with, I would say some type of, um, you have to have, you have to use your will to do this because your habit voice is strong and your thoughts are going to continue to pop up, right? Because you have those neural pathways carved out in your brain to think certain, you know, I, I'm going to use like hate body hate. Cause so many of the women I work with hate their body. They think they need to be in a smaller body to be happy, et cetera, and so forth. But those are just habits of thought. Those are just stories that can be shifted. And the same would apply to the pelvic floor. You have to re- repeatedly shift that self-talk, shift those habits of thought in order to come to a place of, I can accept and respect my body where it's at right now, or I can release my pelvic floor right now and just continuously repetitively do that. How long it will take is going to depend on a lot of different factors. It's, it's probably not helpful to set up um, um, expectations for people mm-hmm. because it could take a few weeks. It could take a year or two years or three years. It could take time depending on how consistent you are and how dedicated you are to shifting and changing in this process. Does that make sense? Yep. That you described that so beautifully. And I mean, it's subconscious reprogramming. It took a long, you know, our subconscious has been with us for a very long time (laughs) and it's been carving, you know, we've been doing things on repeat reflexively habitually for a long, long time. So definitely I'm glad you highlighted that it's not necessarily going to change overnight with one kind of redirection of your thoughts, but Um, I want to highlight just the power that you mentioned of neutralizing the situation. So becoming aware of the situation, aware of the thought or aware of the, of the habit, becoming aware of it, acknowledging it, seeing it, but then rather than making another kind of big story out of it, beating yourself up, you know, that kind of thing, you're really just neutralizing and then shifting your attention. So I love that word neutralizing. I, I use it a lot personally, um, it really helps me. And I think it's helped a lot of my clients think about neutralizing their pelvic floor issues. And it's just, 
it's, it's, it's not them. It's, they're so much more than their pelvic floor. They're so much more than this thought coming through. So just sort of neutralizing and then moving their attention. Let's, um, let's go ahead and maybe see if we could talk a little bit more wrapping this up about how specifically you applied this to your own life and to your own health journey, this, this whole overarching concept and how you see it work with your clients, any things you want to wrap up with. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, you know, the introduction for me and working with my clients was was this journey of intuitive eating um, and mindful eating. Um, You know, it's kind of a combination of many different factors. But so, so in my process, you know, it was it was really shifting my thoughts and behaviors around food and not seeing food as the enemy or not seeing my body as the enemy, and partnering with my body versus um, working against it. Like it was wrong. Like it was, I needed to apologize for my body. Um, especially as my body changed and shifted, you know, after you, I don't know, I think it happens to every woman after they kind of leave high school and move into the next stages of their life, the, the, the woman's body shifts and changes and it looks different for every woman, but we start to feel ashamed of that. And so I didn't realize I was subconsciously reprogramming myself, you know, with the intuitive eating model and just starting to shift some of those, those thoughts around food and stopping, you know, just saying, no, food is not the enemy. My body's not the enemy. You know, that was, that was the initial stage. And now I've taken it to the next level. So I've incorporated hypnosis, tapping or EFT as other tools to help shift my consciousness. Cause here's the thing oftentimes. And I think I'm finding this now in my life more than ever, I'm able to, to subcon, you know, see some of the subconscious uh, stuff come out in behaviors and thoughts. And those are, you know, I, I shift that through some of the process that you and I just discussed, but then sometimes there are deeper, deeper subconscious things that need the support of a practitioner. So I've personally, you know, done hypnosis sessions with, um, with a practitioner who's trained in this, you know, there are other ways to explore that even more deeply. Some people need that. Some people don't, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but there are these tools that can take you even deeper into your subconscious to help you sift and sort through what's holding you back in your life, whether it's related to health or relationships or career or, you know, anything else in your life. Um, I hope I'm answering your question, Brianna. It is. And I just want to bring this up. So I'll say that from our personal friendship, because we talk a lot just on, you know, on a personal level, we, we often I'll hear you say, or I'll say it myself, like, this is a story. Like we'll be able to identify when an old story comes up that's holding us back. And so what I'm hearing you say is that if, if people start just becoming aware of their thought habits, their belief systems and beliefs are just thoughts that you keep thinking. So just, you know, thoughts that appear over and over and over, they become our beliefs. And you might start to identify that some of these beliefs and thought patterns are just old stories. And you can start kind of questioning them and be like, huh, that's weird. Like, where did that come from? And that's what you did. And that's what I do too. We do a lot of this together. And what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes you can do your own work with kind of reprogramming those thought patterns. Mm -hmm. Other times you might need a little extra support along the way. Yeah. A great, like just, just this kind of dawned on me, a really, really simple exercise that anybody listening can try is just to take a sheet of, you know, normal notebook paper and, you know, draw a line down the middle of it on the left-hand side, 
write, put a heading that says old stories on the right hand side, new stories, and just write down, you know, if you're working on health or pelvic floor work, you know, focus on that. If you're working on food and body, you know, focus on that. That's just the two topics that we shared today. And you could go into many other um, things, but just write all those stories that you know to be true quote unquote, unquote, true about your, your current situation. And then look at those stories and decide, does this story serve me anymore? And how could I gently rewrite it? So then in the right hand column, you can rewrite the story. So a great example would be sugar is bad for me. It's, it's, it's going to cause all this inflammation in my body and I should never eat it. And I need to avoid it if I want to be healthy. Okay. That would be like the old story. If, if this, if I were doing this work with my clients and maybe you can provide an example for the pelvic health, my new story would be that sugar, um, uh, sugar in foods, you know, when I eat sugar, um, in a meal, it's not going to destroy my health. I pay attention to my body and I love my body by choosing foods that make me feel good. And do you see the energy shift in between two statements? It's not demonizing sugar. Sugar has a role in my life, but it's, I'm not going to allow the story that it's bad, inflammatory, and you know, that creates a lot of angst and anxiety in my body to be my truth. Sugar is a part of my life, but I also listen to my body and I choose foods that nourish me. Sometimes it's sugar, sometimes it's not, you know, so it's, it's just a shift of energy. Um, and when we start to practice that more regularly, that becomes our new story and our, all the stuff we talked about earlier, the hormones and the, the stress that we had from the old story starts to dissipate and lift. And then health, that true health can start to find its way. So what would you use for, you know, I know we've got to wrap this up, but what would you use for pelvic floor? Yeah. I mean, like one old story would be, I have prolapse. The only option for me is surgery. Like maybe my doctor told me the only option is surgery. That's what I was told is the only option is surgery. And so then a new story, a new, more empowering story could be surgery could be an option. However, there's so many natural treatments that I can try first. There's so many options available for me. And I'm so excited for this journey of exploration to learn more about my body and to get stronger and to get healthier overall. And no matter what happens in the future, even if surgery is necessary, now I'm going to be so much stronger, even going into it and coming out of it, that it's like going to be cake. It's going to be no problem at all. So that, that, that would be a good rewrite there. Perfect. Yeah. So you can see from these two examples, anybody listening that wants to try this on, I journaled for a week straight on all my old stories. And I, it was really interesting because stuff came up that I didn't even realize was there. I was like, yeah. oh, like once you start seeing that everything in your life is a story, it's like you're listening in conversations. Everybody's got a story and we get, we have the, the, the ability to rewrite that. That's like step number one. I love that. And you, I, that's so true because that's what I was getting at earlier is that we went through a period of time. I feel like fairly recently in our personal conversations where it was like everything we could identify to one another, like, Oh, this is an old story. This is a story. Or I think you might be sharing a story right now. Is this a story? (laughs) I think you're telling a story. And so it's actually really nice to have kind of an accountability partner that you can that you can talk with that understands this way of thinking as well and can kind of call you out gently in a gentle way if they sense that maybe there's something that keeps being told on repeat. Um, What do you think about that? Do you think that's helpful to have an accountability partner? Yeah, for some people it is. For others, you know, the journal might be enough. I think you have to kind of do an inventory of your personality and how you learn and grow. 
but I, I certainly, you know, those that you trust in your life to really hold space for you. I mean, certainly share this with them and, and ask them to support you in this because it's so easy. And we, and again, it's such a great reminder for me personally to remember, I am not my habits. I am not my thoughts that releases me from the shame and guilt that can arise when some of those old stories or those old narratives kind of creep back in, which they inevitably will. Like it's part of the process. Your, your neural pathways are so carved from your early childhood that it does take some will to shift those. So it does help to have a friend uh, help to help you out with that for sure. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, this is, as you said, this is just the beginning of your own personal evolution of going from science minded and, you know, figuring out what, what the, you know, books say and what the studies say and what the latest diet trend is that you need to do going from that to really realizing that the power is actually so much more than the book learning. It's actually much bigger than that, but yet it's also, it's like bigger than that but it's also simple. It's really quite simple when you take the power back and realize that it's not just about, you go from science-minded to being open-minded. It can seem almost scary. Like, oh my gosh, this is subconscious reporter. This is huge, but it's actually pretty simple. If you take baby steps and just take a step back and know it's just this brilliant, beautiful experiment that you can do with yourself. It's this personal development journey that is so worth it. I know it has been for me and it's definitely, like you said, it never ends but it's less scary and overwhelming than I think maybe some people might think it's so worth getting started on. Right. We want to overcome. I know I do. I'm an overthinker by nature. Like I want to overthink and overanalyze everything. Um, that's just, you know, again, how I've been trained or indoctrinated into this world is I have to analyze it and know why and, but it can be simple and it, and it does come down to a decision to stay curious stay open, stay open-minded uh-huh. and just explore. Like, what have you got to lose? You know, do an inventory of what hasn't worked for you. I mean, if you haven't tried this, why not just try it? If it doesn't work for you, go back to your old ways. That's completely fine. No worries. But if you are still listening to this podcast and you're like, huh, this could maybe be something to try, like just try it on, try it on for a week, a month, a few months, and just see what can happen. You might be surprised at how simple it can be and catch yourself in that overthinking. Cause it's something I do on a pretty regular basis. Um, is catching myself in the overthinking and say, Oh, wait a second. I'm not my thoughts. Let's release this and move to something that does serve me. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if that helps anybody, it, but it's perfect. Uh, redirect and move to something that does serve me better. I love that. And I realized that I don't think we ever wrapped up with the results that you got when you started, you know, changing your mind and went from science minded to open minded and really went into this more mind body connection. You dropped the weight, correct? What else? Well, yeah. So my body, and it wasn't about the weight loss for me It's my body changed to be a reflection of how I felt on the inside. You know, it wouldn't matter if I kept the weight on, it was the inside changed and my health, my energy and all of that came along with it, you know, um, as well. Like I, I would say now in my journey, you know, I'm really working on other aspects of my life outside of food and body, but I don't think about food anymore. I mean, I do like, I love, I love food. My husband and I love to cook. We love to go out to eat all the things, but it's, I don't give it a second thought. I just tap in and say, what do I need right now? And I know this sounds really simple to someone who's struggling with food, but I'm just, I ask the question, what do I need right now? I go into my kitchen and I find something that nourishes my body in that moment. 
and then it's done. Like there's no putting it into a counter or trying to analyze it. It's just, is it's just food. It has no power over me and it's neutral. The same thing with my body. Now, certainly some days I look in the mirror and I'm like, you know, whatever, like women do, because that's a habitual train of thought, but I have a lot more reverence for my body and respect. I buy clothes that fit my body. I'm a very tall woman. That was always really hard for me. I now look at that as a, as a beautiful thing. Like I'm different. I'm not like everyone. I stand six foot tall and that for many years destroyed my um, body image. Now it's just a part of who I am. I accept it, you know, so those it's acceptance and it's neutralization of the strong thoughts that pulled me down previously. That would be the result. And that's more important to me than anything that would have changed physically with my body, other than just having the energy and the ability to do the things I love to do. Yeah. That's beautiful. What a, what a way to cap it off. So tell another way to cap it off is it's really important that if people want to connect with you more, maybe they have uh, body image issues or, or weight issues, things that they're struggling with, with food and, and body. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my website's healthybydesignrd.com. Um, and probably another great to co- way to connect is I have a free Facebook group on Facebook. I have an Instagram handle, healthybydesignrd. And then my free Facebook group is called Mindful and Intuitive Eating for women. Uh, It's pretty easy to find. And it's a really nourishing space to explore um, if this type of work makes sense for your health journey. I can really recommend Beth's uh, work and also her Facebook group is it's a large, there's a really large number of women in it. And they're really great questions. And Beth, you're in there often providing great uh, information, Facebook lives and trainings and that kind of thing. So really great. Please folks check Beth. Beth's workout. It's very, very supportive and nourishing on so many levels. So thank you again, honey. Yeah. It was great to have you on my podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. I'll see you later. Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.